Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Our Sub City Podcast with Grace Ogunyemi, an original podcast about housing and homelessness in the UK, aiming to inform the general public and challenge perceptions in society. Having worked in the sector for almost a decade, naturally I've formed my own opinions on this issue, which are my own, but I aim to present a balanced perspective. Homelessness is a complex issue that, according to the homelessness charity Shelter, affects at least one in every 200 people. On this podcast, we aim to help simplify it. In today's episode, we're going to look at housing rights and homelessness statistics. So why is homelessness such an important issue? Well, research suggests not having accommodation can increase the risk for someone to suffer from mental health problems or physical health issues. It can also increase the risk of someone using substances. Evidence also suggests that chances of sustaining or gaining employment or training are significantly reduced if the person is homeless. Those who are rough sleeping are also more likely to be a victim of violence. Recently, research by the Guardian newspaper has found that the number of homeless people recorded as dying on the streets or in temporary accommodation has more than doubled over the last five years. Local councils are not required to record the numbers of people who die while sleeping rough on the streets. Let's look at the facts and figures around homelessness and why there are difficulties in getting an accurate picture of homelessness in the UK. The homelessness charity Crisis and the Joseph Roundtree Foundation have commissioned a study into homelessness each year since 2011. The study was carried out by a number of university lecturers with knowledge of housing and social policy. They analysed official figures and estimates of the number of people in three different situations. Those who are sleeping rough, those who've been housed by the local council and those who are considered to be what are called hidden homeless who are sofa surfing or in other insecure temporary arrangements. So a common question that's asked is, how many people are homeless in the UK? So this can be a difficult question to answer, and I can explain why. From a very simple standpoint, the issue is around who conducts the count and where they get their data from. We're going to look at the number of different statistics and where they come from. Firstly, there are the official statistics reported by local councils and rough sleeping teams as to how many people are presenting to their council as homeless and requesting a housing assessment and how many people are rough sleeping and have been assessed by the housing team. Officially, in 2017, according to the charity Shelter, 300,000 people in Britain were officially recorded as homeless or living in inadequate accommodation. 
Crisis-stated official estimates from the local councils show nationally the total is up by 169% since 2010 and by 15% since last year. But there's an issue with the official figures. They don't include those who are hidden homeless, those who are sofa surfing or squatting, or those who are in rough sleeping who haven't been picked up by the rough sleeping team of the local council. They likely also don't reflect those who may transition in and out of being homeless. In 2017, Crisis estimated there was 300.34 million people who were considered to be hidden homeless, showing these figures have risen by a third since 2008. If that estimate is correct, that is a shocking reflection of our society and housing market. In London, figures for the number of rough sleepers comes from something called chain data. Nationally, when a rough sleeper is reported to Streetlink, the local council's rough sleeper support team aims to go out and assess them. Once they are found and assessed, they are given a chain number. Chain figures show that rough sleeping in London has more than doubled since 2010, with official estimates indicating that the national total is now up by 169% since 2010. So let's talk about what kind of additional difficulties face those who are rough sleeping. Well, Crisis states there's a high number of rough sleepers making up chain figures that have health and social care needs, including alcohol problems at 36%, drug problems at 42%, and mental health problems at 50%. Recently, research by The Guardian newspaper has found that the number of homeless people recorded as dying on the streets or in temporary accommodation has more than doubled over the last five years. So let's look at the demographics of who is rough sleeping. While statistics from Crisis's report state 86% of rough sleepers were men, while just over a fifth, 22%, were non-UK nationals, with 17% of those being from the EU. Although figures indicate that overall rough sleeping in London is down, this is actually due to a decrease in the number of rough sleepers who aren't from the UK. In addition to chain figures, local councils across the UK carry out their own rough sleep accounts and send their estimates to the Department for Communities and Local Government. In an effort to look beyond the figures, Crisis also spoke to staff in local councils and charities about their views around homelessness in the UK. This year, they asked staff who work at local councils how accurate they feel their rough sleeping figures are, with less than half stating that they feel their figures are reliable. Factors that influence the accuracy of these figures are firstly geographical. Rough sleepers may well be rough sleeping in areas that are more remote. News outlets have recently reported an increase in rough sleeping in more rural areas. Secondly, another factor that influences the figures' accuracy is that counts are usually carried out in one night each year. We mentioned that some people who are homeless aren't even counted in official statistics and that they considered what is to be called hidden homeless. The hidden homeless are usually staying in what crisis refer to as concealed households. Frequently, sofa surfing, sleeping on someone else's sofa or staying in overcrowded accommodation. These arrangements are insecure as their ability to continue to stay in there rests solely on the goodwill of the person that they are staying with. Frequently, staying with friends or extended family, these arrangements can place strain on any relationship and commonly result in the person who was sofa surfing being asked to leave. Crisis states the number of concealed households remains high in England. Despite improving levels of employment and a recovering housing market, there were 2.32 million households containing concealed single adults in England in early 2017. 
In addition, there are also 282,000 concealed couples and lone parents. So let's look at why in the UK people are struggling to find accommodation. Firstly, housing is in limited supply in the UK. This is an issue we'll be looking at in more depth later on in the series. So if someone goes to their local council and asks for help with housing, the council will assess them under five categories. Firstly, they'll look at, are they eligible? So the council would need to consider if they are eligible for assistance from the council. This means the council will look at their immigration status and decide if they are entitled to help. And to be entitled to help, they would need to be a British citizen or have indefinite leave to remain in the UK. This would mean that the Home Office have decided they can live in the UK indefinitely. A big misunderstanding in the UK, widely covered by some media outlets, is that you can arrive in the UK and be accommodated by the council. In reality, upon arriving in the UK, your immigration status is not decided. You are placed in a Home Office hostel. And like other forms of state-provided temporary accommodation, these Home Office hostels have been reported to be dirty, in a state of disrepair, with a failure to address infestations like rats and bedbugs. Secondly, they would look at whether or not that person is homeless. Do they have accommodation that they can still occupy? Or is their last address now not available due to fire or flood? Or can they no longer gain access to it? Or finally, is their previous accommodation no longer reasonable for them to continue to occupy, for example, due to experiencing domestic violence, or due to it being unaffordable, or due to overcrowding? The council would also then look at whether or not they're in priority need. This is where the council looks to decide if that person is someone they should offer accommodation to as a priority. They will only consider the following people as being in priority need. A person who would likely have dependent children living with them. A pregnant woman, and this extends to someone she would reasonably be expected to reside with. A person who is vulnerable due to old age, physical or mental disability, or other special reasons like leaving care. This can be extended to someone they are reasonably expected to reside with. Finally, a person whose property is not available due to fire or flood. Next, the council would look at whether or not that person is intentionally homeless. They will investigate whether that person is homeless now because they did or failed to do something, which meant they lost their previous accommodation, that if they hadn't have done or failed to do that thing, that they would have otherwise been able to continue to stay there. So that might be something like paying rent, or that could be something like antisocial behaviour. Next, the council would look at whether or not that person has a local connection to their area. This is where the council would look at whether or not that person has previously resided in their area for six out of the last 12 months or has a direct family member in that area. And by direct family members, they mean parents or siblings who have resided in that council's area for three out of the last five years. Only after considering these five areas will the council decide if they can offer someone temporary accommodation. However, if they have a reason to believe that that person will likely be in priority need, then they have a duty to offer interim accommodation while they investigate that person's circumstances. And at this stage, they've been accepted by the council as being homeless. But this can change if during their investigation into the person's housing application, the council decide they no longer owe a duty to that person. In this situation, the interim accommodation would come to an end, usually with very little notice. 
Crisis reported that between 2016 and 2017, 19,000 more applicants were accepted as being homeless in England than between 2009 to 2010. Nationally, in the three years to 2012 to 2013, saw an increase in those who were accepted as being homeless. We know this from a number of formal decisions that have been made by the local councils. Nevertheless, in 2016 to 2017, there was an annual drop in the number of people who were accepted as homeless in London for seven years. But as with all statistics, this doesn't clearly reflect a positive shift in helping those who are homeless. A key respondent to Crisis's survey explained, It is interesting to note that the Ombudsman was saying that 70% of complaints about homelessness are upheld, compared to 53% of complaints generally. So you've got a position where local authorities are more likely to get it wrong, to get the law wrong on homelessness, than they are on other matters that they're responsible for, which kind of comes back to a number of factors. It will be because there's a lack of housing, but some of it's about management culture. Some of it's about a lack of genuine or willful misunderstanding of what the law and guidance says. Independent Key Informant, 2017. These concerns are not without merit. The Local Government Ombudsman's report summarised lessons learned from the estimated 450 complaints that they receive each year, about councils' homelessness services. Their report focused on poor and unlawful practice from local councils and their continued use of unsuitable bed and breakfast and B&B accommodation for families against a backdrop of more expensive private rented conditions. Crisis highlight a point in their report I found important, that historically government advocates, academics and the media would only ever measure homelessness based off the number of people who are accepted as being homeless and assisted by the council meaning historically this literally meant the number of people who were rough sleeping or hidden homeless had no influence over policy. It's likely if someone has been accepted as being homeless and the council are assessing their application in greater depth that they are in the meantime placed in temporary accommodation. Crisis pointed out that use of temporary accommodation has jumped up 60% since 2012, with B&Bs being increasingly used by local councils as temporary accommodation. The problem with this is B&Bs are frequently unsuitable or unsafe for families. They're also often cramped. A number of B&Bs that I've visited over the years have been unclean and in need of repair. Some have even struggled to control rats and mice in the property. In addition to these problems, B&Bs are not an affordable way for local councils to house those who are homeless. Crisis predicts that the use of B&Bs is still likely to further increase. So what if the council finds that the person is not in priority need or isn't homeless and decides not to house them? So then the person would be considered to be non-priority. Frequently, those who fall under this heading aren't even aware that this is the outcome of their assessment at the local council, if they are formally assessed at all. Crisis stated in its report that it believes that cases where someone is considered to likely be non-priority, that they don't get counted in the local council's official statistics for those seeking help with housing. For someone experiencing homelessness, this occurs when they present at the local council as homeless and a brief decision is made about their circumstances and a conclusion is made there and then that they would not be in priority need. That person is not recorded as being officially assessed and is told verbally that they're not going to be rehoused. This happens frequently as many people are not aware that they're entitled to make a homelessness application and to have a decision about their application in writing. Therefore, it's likely this person has never received a formal decision on their case. 
Crisis state that non-priority homeless decisions have been running at round about 20,000 in recent years, with no clear sign of any upward trend. This is where significant amounts of those who are rough sleeping or hidden homeless find themselves. With the council not offering them any accommodation, they are forced to look at other options. So what about hostels? In some parts of the UK, there are hostels that a person can directly access. This means they don't need to be referred by the council or another organisation to access that hostel. However, increasingly, these hostels are disappearing across the UK. This is because, firstly, the council will likely still be paying the rent for that hostel space and therefore also pay for the services like staff in that hostel. So the council will likely be looking to decide who takes the place in that hostel they ultimately pay for. A number of providers of hostels don't own the building that they're in. They're just contracted to run the support services within that building. That then means their ability to influence referrals into their service is limited as the councils has the final say. So can charities help? A number of charities do by providing either accommodation or support via day centres that people can access without a referral from the council. However, these charities fund their services by donations from the public. Sometimes local councils will allocate some money to day centres, but this is rare. A number of day centres also run night shelters, mostly open in the winter months. They aim to keep people off the street during the cold winter. However, these are not open all year round, and the majority are purely run off donations and are staffed by volunteers. The work that they do, however, is very valued by the people who stay in those night shelters. So what rights do people who present at the council have? So recently, in April 2018, In response to the increase in the number of rough sleepers, the government implemented the Homelessness Reduction Act. This act aims to change the rights of those who present at the council as homeless. The act's aim is to ensure the council offers more assistance to those who are not considered to be in priority need. Primarily, the fundamental rights remain the same. Anyone who presents to the council as homeless has the right to have an assessment carried out by a housing officer, and they can always request that decision in writing. The Homelessness Reduction Act has changed the rights and entitlements of those who present to the council who would normally be considered non-priority need. We're going to give these changes time to take effect and we're going to cover them in more depth in later episodes when we discuss solutions to the potential housing crisis in the UK. Thanks for listening to the first episode of Our Subcity. If in the future our podcast receives advertising support, we aim to donate any net income to organisations we've mentioned, with details of donations published on social media. Please subscribe to our podcast and rate it and review it on whatever platform you are listening on. If you have questions or if you want to engage in the conversation, we can be found on social media at our subsidy pod. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.